Hello, and welcome to the Art of the Cup podcast. I'm Steve Hallfish. I'm a feature film editor and discuss the art and craft of film editing with my colleagues in film and TV. In this episode, I'm talking with Kevin Tent, Ace. Kevin has five Ace Eddie nominations for the films Election, About Schmidt, Sideways, Nebraska, and he won the Eddie for the Best Edited Dramatic Feature Film for The Descendants, for which he also received an Oscar nomination. Today, Kevin and I discuss his work on director Tyler Nilsson's Peanut Butter Falcon, which won an Audience Award at this year's South by Southwest Film Festival. The film goes into wide release August 9th. You know, we've talked before. The last time we talked was uh, when you did Downsizing. Right. And uh, you did that with Alexander Payne. He was the director. And you've done a bunch of films for him. I've done pretty much every film that he has directed, except for... He did one of those uh, French films in the shorts, one of those French shorts that was released a few years ago. And I was on another movie when he did that. uh, So I didn't do that one. But other than that, I started out with him on his very first feature, Citizen Ruth and uh, Election, then about Schmidt, then uh, (laughs) uh, Sideways. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, side, sideways and sideways. then uh, downsizing, maybe. Down, Nebraska. Then Nebraska, downsizing. that's it, Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is the key to those long-term, you know, you and Joel Cox and Thelma with uh, Martin Scorsese and Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese yeah. uh, you know, uh, Sally Menke with, uh, Quentin. with Quentin yeah. Tarantino? Well, you know, I don't know, but... Um... We, I'd say just personally, we get along very well. We're, we're similar in some respects. He grew up in Omaha. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I don't know. You know, we're about the same age. And when he first, um, when we first met, he said he, they had been dangling a lot of very established editors in front of him and stuff like that. And, um, but he wanted to have a, uh, he said he didn't want to have a grandfather or a, a godfather. He wanted to have a partner. Um, so I think that we have sort of, you know, elevated our game together as we've been working over all these years. So, and then I do a lot of other projects, you know, cause it takes him longer to get one to go. So I'll go edit something else. And I always think I become, when I get hooked back up with him, I think I'm a sh- little sharper editor than I was when I left him last. So, but he's a very good editor in his own right too. So, and I think that goes for, uh, Marty also and, and Quentin, I think they're good editors to begin with, too. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm uh, from the Buffalo area myself. I had no idea that that did we talk about that before. Maybe I'm I think from we talked Bro- about the bills. Yeah, because I was I used to be a news cameraman, so I was always shooting, <sighs> shooting the bills games. And uh, uh, oh, wow. I went I went to SUNY Brockport, which is oh, you did? Okay. about 60 miles away. Yeah, yeah. I went to SUNY Oswego, but then I dropped out and moved to California and went to film school out here. Geez, that's what I should have done, I guess. <laughs> you could have. You could have. Um, You're doing all right. Yeah, so uh, this is, a, is this a new director for you? Yeah, yeah. How... I worked with producers before, so they had been working on the cut for a while. The directors were editing themselves, and, um, you know, they, uh, they needed some help. And uh, so I'd worked with Albert and Ron, who actually did Election and Nebraska. Um, so they had done, and they're going to do the next one with Alec, Alexander's next film. They're going to do that too. Um, so they had, I knew, you know, I've known them and worked with them. And they said, hey, we, we, would you help us out? And I was like, yeah, I, I would. So I came on and worked with the guys and, and also worked with Nat Fuller, who I would like to give a big shout out to too. He was, couldn't have made the movie without him. Absolutely. He was a, he's a, also a great editor. And um, so we did it together. And had Nat worked with you before as an assistant or? Were yes. You guys... Yes. Many years ago, um, I worked on Maleficent, which was a Disney picture a while ago. And uh, I did sort of a, an, an alternate cut and just tried some things to just show people and stuff like that. And he was on that movie. And I remember him being a really sweet guy. He, that was like maybe, I don't, know, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And uh, anyways, it was just a, co- a nice coincidence, coincidence that we hooked up again. So. Oh, did they did they put the two of you together, or had, did you call on Nate? Nate, Nate? Oh, uh, Nat was already on it. Nat was already on it. Nat was on the movie, so he had. There was another interim editor. Um, oh, what was his name? 
I'll look it up. But um, there was a, a, one other editor in between, very short for a very short time, like a week or something like that. And Nat had known him. So, and Nat now has gone on to cut Stranger Things. He's done two seasons of that. He's doing quite well. So he was making the transition between assistant and editor. What's, what was the schedule like for you guys? Because you said that you've got a bunch of movies coming out all at the same time. Yeah. So this was probably back a ways or no? When this you... was, it was a year, over a year and a half ago that we finished. We finished in like February or March last year. So, um, yeah, so it's taken a long time to come around. You know, they had to wait for, I think they waited for South by Southwest and there was some, they had to finish the music and stuff like that. So it just took them a while. But, um, you know, it seems like people are really responding well, which is great. Have you seen it yet, by any chance? I have not seen it. So it's, it's pretty great. It's a real, it's, it's a feel-good movie, but really funny. And, uh, and, you know, it's just really good. It's just one of those magical things where everything kind of seems to work. And it's, it's really good. Uh, I don't know whether you want to get into this, but this is a film that you were brought on to, right? Kind of yeah, min- to help. So did you say the directors were trying to cut it themselves or what? Yeah, was the directors that? were editing themselves. They, I think they were working with a, an editor also. Uh, but, um, you know, it's hard to edit your own stuff, especially if it's your first movie, too. I think that makes it even harder. And um, Michael, the, one of the directors, has done a lot of commercial editing and a lot of stuff like that. So um, it wasn't like you didn't know anything. But, you know, it was a little more challenging. And they, and they had written it. And they had directed it, and they were very close to it. So when I came on, I guess some of the bigger things I did is reduce subplots to really subplots and making them not, you know, they were wed to a lot of things that that I think we didn't need to really focus on so much, just get a hint of it. Mm -hmm. So um, um, that was one of the things I did. I like There was a backstory with him and his brother, with uh, Shia LaBeouf and his brother, which I just reduced to flashbacks basically instead of full-on scenes and that really helped the overall flow of the movie um and it was something they probably would have gotten to on their own at one point but you know it's hard to let go of stuff that you're wrote and directed and you have actors and that you like and you know so but being able to step back i could see that that was kind of clunking up the beginning of the movie and a lot of the movies so we went with a more um abstract approach to some of these flashbacks and stuff like that. Totally makes sense. Um, I've worked with a director who edits as well. And it, I feel like a lot of what I have to do is just provide that sense that, uh, you know, I know this is the way you wrote it and this way you envisioned it, but the story will work if we just do this, right? Right. Or we'll work better, right? Yes. And that's pretty much what we did in a lot of, in a couple of the places I was like, we'll try this or, you know, what do you think? What if we did this instead? And, and uh, the guys were great. There were some things they were really, you know, that we they stuck to. But, you know, they were they knew it was getting better and better as they, as we kept working it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it's a really special movie. I'm actually very excited for people to get to see it. That's so. great. And, and and as you said, you were brought on by the producers. Did that cause any political uh, difficulties, or was that a useful thing? Well, it's definitely useful for the end project. But the guys, Tyler and Michael, were really pretty supportive right off the bat. They were like, they knew that they were kind of stuck, I mm-hmm. think. I think they felt they were, you know, they, they needed to do something to shake it loose. So they were supportive. And I had asked just to work for a few weeks on my own to get to get to know the footage and to also experiment because I hate experimenting really radical ideas with people in the room because then you're like, you feel like you're under time constraints and you don't want to like spend half an hour doing something stupid. So sometimes you don't try things. But when I'm on my own, I will try all different things and sometimes they work some, or sometimes it just as a catalyst to something else, you know, like classic ending. Um, so, um, I asked to work a little long, a little long time with the note of footage and, um, and, uh, they were great. And then we all worked together uh, how, and they, they came in and we worked together. How long did you work on the film? Um, About 10 weeks, I think. So it would have been about about what a director's cut would be. I think I worked six weeks on my own. Couldn't quite get to the whole movie by that time. And then I had like a week or two of just working on the ending with Nat. 
because Nat actually had done a lot of work roughing it in and, and really did a great job in kind of setting it. And then I came in and fiddled with that for like two weeks. Um, you'll see at the ending's this big wrestling match, and it's got a lot of cross-cutting and stuff going on. So um, that took some time. So I think, and then we previewed it, and then we did about maybe two or three weeks of changes after that, but it didn't really change too much from the preview. It was pretty much locked in. Mm. So uh, we we scored very well in the preview, and um, that was exciting. So, um, yeah, we basically locked it after that. You talked about the cross-cutting and the, the final scenes. Do you mean like between an A and a B story or between two different characters or something? Or uh, yeah, Between an A and B story, there was... Um, when you see it, it's hard to explain, but there's a wrestling match going on, and then there's also a bad guy coming for Shia LaBeouf's character, and then there's a girl, um, a woman trying to get, you know, uh, oh, yeah, what's her name? Um, oh, hang on, i got to look up. You know what? I, yeah. Hang on, don't go away. I'm going to just... All right, yeah. Hop on the IMDb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me go on here real quick and just see, because... Um, I see Jack looking over your shoulder there. Oh, yeah, that's it. Can you see that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's good. I'll show it to you. About Schmidt. Is that it's a Greek uh, poster of About Schmidt. That's very funny. Oh, my, my gosh, that's awesome. My sister-in-law got when she was in Greece. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Dakota Johnson. I can't so. So please don't tell her I forgot her name. There, no, we'll cut so, all that stuff out. So, so um, there's. Tell me about the cross cutting of the of the scene. Yeah, so it's a wrestling match with Zach, who's the lead actor with Shia, and Shia's got a bad guy chasing him, and it's like a climax of this wrestling match. And then Dakota Johnson is handcuffed to a car and is trying to get loose, and so we got all this stuff going on. So, um, uh, yeah, and that was. That was what it. That's what it was about. I know so. it was. It was a while ago, but when you think back to that cross cutting or intercutting of those storylines, what were some of the things that made it where you really needed to work on that scene? That 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 took some juggling. Well, you know, you want you want it to be suspenseful, so you have this wrestling match going on, and this and Zach is losing the wrestling match, but you, eventually you're, he, you, he's going to win, but, you know, you have to build that up. And at the same time, you have to keep... You kind of, like, are trying to get all these storylines to climax at one point. So you don't want to be in the wrestling match too long before you cut to this so that people don't forget that storyline, or, or not even forget, but be, lose their emotional attachment to it. Sure. I think it's all about emotional attachments. So you want them to be emotional attached to this wrestling match, you want him to be emotionally attached to Dakota Johnson trying to get loose from the car, um, and you want to be and you're you're you want to be emotionally worried that Shia's got the bad guy coming after him. So all these things are you want to keep that balance going, and that just takes finessing and time to play around with, you know. Um, so um, that takes time, yeah, and uh, experimentation, you know, experimentation and having that ability and and. I'm really interested in the fact that it's a process, right? You're like, I, yes. it's not just a one and done kind of thing. You got to go, well, I thought that was it, but it's right. not, right? And then you, and you look at the next day and you go, nope, not working yet. <laughs> but, you know, you're like, maybe it's closer or maybe it's not. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, no, this is just way, you know, got to rethink how it, how it starts and stuff like that. And then playing with music, you know, like you look for the perfect piece of music that can kind of do what you're tie it all together and that kind of stuff. So, And, and um, um, I also noticed you talked about directing a little bit. You've directed several things. And um, do you think, what do you think your directing does for your editing or vice versa? Um, so I really only directed a movie just a couple of years ago called Crash Pad. But I'll tell you what it did. I was already extremely empathetic to directors for what it's like, you know, and, and even... Believe me, I, I am probably more empathetic than most about how difficult it must be on the set and stuff like that. But after the experience of directing, I had even more empathy and more sympathy for how difficult it is to catch anything that's good on camera. You know, it's a it's a miracle. It's a miracle a movie ever comes out good. It's a miracle if it gets done. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, so I think I learned, I, I, that's an emotional thing that I learned from directing. And technically, I'll tell you what, it was very useful to be an editor because when I was directing and I was on set and I was like, I think that's really bad. But the one thing an editor knows is that no matter what, you can cut it and you can figure out something to bridge two things together, you know? So I had that, I had one comforting thought in my mind while I was directing that worst case, you know, you can cut and uh, figure out somehow to get, get out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was a big plus for me while I was directing. Um, but I think, yeah, the, probably the biggest thing is having understanding and sympathy and empathy for the footage you have. And, and accepting what you have and trying to do the best you can with what you have. So instead of, you know, sometimes sometimes there's a tendency for editors to complain, you know, well, why didn't you get that shot? I, I never did that much beforehand because I always knew, oh, you know, it's hard out there. Um, but now I, I'm very careful to, to be critical of that kind of stuff and just accept this is the footage. What can we do? How can I be the best editor to fix what the problems we have right here. And you'd so. mentioned that you, you know, that for the directors you were working with on this film, even though that they can direct, you, you just, it's great to have another set of eyes. And you hired somebody for your film, a, yes. another editor. You, I mean, you're a great editor, but you're like, I'm not going to edit my own thing. No. Well, I did do what we both edited. Did some. Yeah. 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 I couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> I really couldn't. I was like, Oh my God, this is a mess. I think I'm the only person that can try to get us, get myself out of this one. You know, I did have that, but Franco Ponte was the editor and he was great. And we worked really closely together. Like it was really fun and he was terrific. Like, you know, we were just pass scenes back and forth or, you know, he'd work on this and I work on that and then he'd take it back and try this. And it was kind of, kind of fun. Yeah. So you, it was good. I, I didn't look too hard. You you don't edit with other people a lot, do you? You do? Yeah, anybody. Yeah. Well, no, but uh, you know what I mean. Like I've interviewed tons of people that always seem to be like a co-editor or editors uh -huh. with six other editors oh, on oh, some giant right. film. Right, I see what you mean. Are you normally just a solo editor? Yeah, I usually am. I usually am. Um, a couple times I've worked on... Things, but yeah, not primarily. I'm a one-man show or one-man band, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, which I kind of like, but I would do a bigger project. I never have I done stuff like that. Yeah, I have, but um, it's been a while. It's well, a I while. don't necessarily mean working on a bigger project, but you just seem to be so happy about working with another editor. You know that that there's that collaborative sense, and you get to talk right. to somebody else and. Right. Throw things back and forth that um, some people do that a lot and some people don't. Right, 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 right. It all depends on the project, too. Like sometimes it's really nice just to be you in the movie and just work closely, like have a relationship with the movie and do do your stuff and then and then work with some other, you know, come have the directors come in and work with directors or um, other editors or something like that. So it's uh, yeah, every every project's different which is kind of one of the great things about the film industry, yep. you know? Uh, maybe not on this film because you kind of stepped in later in the thing, but when you're, when you, when you're finished with dailies and do you start assembling scenes, one scene to the next immediately, or do you just try to like get through the scenes individually? When do you start assembling scene to scene to scene? Well, you know, they shoot them all different times. So it's like if you have two scenes that they shot that actually go together, then I would probably put the two scenes together while I'm assembling. But mm -hmm. other than that, I keep them all separate in a bin or something like that and then pull them in. And when I have a bunch of them and I can tie them together, I'll throw them all together. And if I'm missing one, I'll just put scene missing, you know, and keep on going and, uh, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So that's usually what I do. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they might shoot the last scene of the movie on the first day of shooting, and you never know. So so you kind of just have to keep up with the camera crew so that they, they can see stuff when they need it. Sure. Uh, with some of the films you've done, 
I don't know how else to describe a lot of them, but quirky. You know, you mm-hmm. Captain Fantastic and Side. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 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 really lovely films that I I love. Did many of them have ad libbing in them? They seem to be ad libby kind of movies, but I could be wrong. Um, let's say Alexander's movies. Not not much ad libbing. Mm. They're really written. He he really likes. They're right. They're the kind of movies that are written with very specific dialogue in, in mind. Yes. And he likes the actors to follow the dialogue. So his his movies may feel that way sometimes, but uh and maybe sideways, you know, Thomas Hayden Church did a lot of ad libs, but um for the most part actors stuck to their pages because that's how he likes it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, other movies, Peanut Butter Falcon, for instance, lots of ad libs hmm. and lots of freedom of stuff but you know shia is a really remarkable actor and he's even if he's ad living he's so in this character that it just seems so natural and uh it's he's really quite quite amazing so i was quite impressed with him i had never edited his any footage of his before and uh i was very impressed with him when you're working with those kind of performances uh, do you find that with the various uh, you know some actors do it one way and some actors do it another, but there's tonal differences from one take to another. Do you mm-hmm. try to um, control temperature and tone through performance? Is that something that you find you're able to do with yeah. some actors? Yeah. Yeah. With some actors. Yeah. And, and um, how, why, how are you making those determinations of where to- you need to be with a temperature of a performance at a various stage or in a various scene or, depending on the story. Yeah, it's really hard to give a specific because I think that's what editing is all the time. You're constantly adjusting, you know, especially subtle performances. You know, it could be it could be dropping a line. It could be adding a reaction shot in a certain spot. It could be shortening a scene by half. You know, there could be a many ways to adjust, play with a performance. So it's hard to say in, in like a specific well, um, and I'm talking more like because he gives you a range of performances right. that you're trying to say, hey, look, uh, maybe this performance is better than this performance, but the tone or the temperature of this performance is better for this spot in the movie. Yes, you're constantly doing that. That's constantly happening. And also, yeah, because you, uh, you also don't realize that until you start watching the movie as a whole, too. You might not notice that, the, the you know, the characters kind of this way and then all of a sudden they're up high and then they come back down, you know, so you want to adjust that. So it's not, so it all seems believable, you mm-hmm. know, so it all seems realistic and true and believable and that you don't have spikes and, uh, you know, uh, performances that take anyone out of the movie, you know? So that's something you're always looking for, but you might not know that until you put the whole movie together or put three or four scenes together, you know? Right. So, and then with a movie like this one, where you're talking about, you know, kind of changing some of the way that the movie was originally written. You've got a performance that somebody thought was going to be used one way, but now it's used as a flashback or it, right. it was. Um, right. Yeah. Or, or if you tighten up a movie, one of the things that I've found before, if let's say you've got to take out a couple of scenes of a movie, when you do that, you realize that two other scenes now are joined together where they used to right. be separated. Now you're like, Oh, now those either right. the performances don't work or yeah you've no, got to always, find something else right you got to find some other workaround yeah i know i know i know that's true that's true that that happens all the time i guess that just happens you know you just kind of figure it out and you, you know while you're working on it and you and of course you know having some experience over the years that helps too but a lot of times the audience will let you know on on that kind of stuff you know when you screen it for people and they'll feel those bumps in performance if it's not right. And even if you didn't see it, then you'll hear about it and you'll be like, oh yeah, we should, let's see what we can do about that. Maybe there's an adjustment we can make, you know? Can you talk to me a little bit about those screenings? Do you, you know, I'm assuming you probably go to the screening so that you can get a yeah. sense, right? Anytime you, you, you watch your own edits with a bunch of other people, you're like, whoa, I, for, I didn't see that when I was right. editing it by myself. I know it's super nerve wracking. I always get really nervous. Um, cause you never know what's going to happen or how it's going to play. I mean, you hope you're like, I, 
think it's playing pretty good. You know, it feels, you know, it's a lot of work to do still, but I think it's in the ballpark. And then when you, but you don't really know until you screen for an audience and then, and then they find out for sure, you know, but, um, on this one, we screened, uh, we had a screening, you know, for, I think I said like the first six weeks, they were really itching to see it. And, um, they were happy. They were like, oh my God, it's feeling smooth. It's, you know, it's telling the story. We're getting the sense of everything and, you know, and it's a fun ride. So it was a, that was a very positive screening for um, the first one we had, but I was very nervous. I was definitely yeah. very nervous. And our first preview, I was nervous too, because you don't know, you know, everyone you're working with knows the movie fairly well, but you never know what an audience is going to say. You're hoping, you know, that they're going to like it. Um, so, yeah, but on that one, yeah, on Peanut Butter Falcon, they were, they were positive screenings consistently, which were good. That gave us even more confidence to even, you know, keep on working, going in the direction we were going in. Do you so, take notes during those screenings or no? I don't, but what I do, I, but I remember everything. So like what I do is I just try to feel the audience and you, and I don't even work at that anymore. I kind of can feel when we lose them and, you know, it's hard to get them back. So I'm like, okay, so we got to do something in this area, you know, um, because it, they, they've lost their patience or they're disengaged. I, I think it's really, I just watch for engagement and disengagement and I can feel that and that, and I'll just know in that section. And then I also, you know, I'll remember, Oh, you know, I got to fix, there's bad sound over here. Maybe there's another take of this. And I'll remember those when I go back to the movie again. So mm. I used to take notes and I take a notepad with me. In case somebody, you know, I have, somebody has a good idea, I want to write it down. If I think I'm going to forget it, but I find that when I go back to a movie, I usually remember what people have said, or you know, usually. Yeah, that so. makes sense. Uh, this movie was edited in Premiere, which is something yes. new to you, correct? Yes, I inherited a Premiere project, which I had used once before, um, and then yeah, this was my first time really using it. Mm-hmm. And so, did they, they, what was the training like or how did you, well, did you go, did you go in a little scared or skeptical or I, I was definitely scared and I, but I jumped right in. I wish I should have probably done things differently, but it was one of those situations where the film just, they wanted me to start right away. And I, but the, the people at premiere were very um, gracious and very helpful. But basically I just sat down and started using it. And I watched a couple of videos on YouTube um, and tried to learn it that way. And I had a vague remembrance of how I had used it once before years ago. So um, there was a big learning curve for me, though. And I I probably should have gone and taken a class or had someone sit with me and, you know, for like a day or something. But uh, I didn't. So dove right in. I just dove right in. Yeah, yeah. Which was which was a little hard because I'm so used to using the Avid and um and they do have a way that you can sort of set it up like an Avid. But upon reflection, I wish I wouldn't have done that because I think somebody has told people have told me that other editors who have done that, they said, you know, it's not really like cutting with an Avid. You should you should use it how it's sort of more meant to be used. But I was it was so fast. I just, you know, I was trying to relearn it through the, the lens of an Avid user. And that was kind of hard. If I if I get a chance to do it again, I'm gonna take a class and start from scratch uh, with how it's meant to be used. Uh, did you um, do you remember how it was organized? Did you have to work in was everything in one project like it is in an Avid, or did they break it up? Uh... It was all in one project. That was the other thing. Matt and I had to really reorganize it um, and. Yeah, we had to build it into more of a traditional movie project because it didn't come that way. It was kind of, it was, I don't want to say anything bad, but it was set up a bit of a mess. Uh, Tyler and Michael just, they're used to, you know, they're not, they were just making this thing and they were just doing it on their own. And so they just kind of threw it all together. So it was, it was a, a gorilla to kind of wrestle to the ground at first, but, but we did it. We did it. What are some of the ways that you needed to organize that you felt? helped you edit when you did the organization uh well for one thing we did group our clips and because they the clips would hadn't been grouped yet 
I don't think the guys, you know, they didn't think about even doing that. So we did that. And then we also set up the group clips so we could see them visually, um, which a lot of, um, that was kind of an avid kind of thing. Um, this would be a good question to ask Nat too, because he really helped a lot with getting us up and running with the thing. Um, but, and then we try to remember what we did. Was it, it was it kind of project organizations like uh, where, how you put bins or how you how you yeah, organize we created bins? We we did all that. I think they weren't even. I don't think they were bins created. And there were, I know there were no group clips because that was something that we that we did right away. Um, and uh, with group clips, do you find that the value of those is just? truly just being able to cut whenever you want to and knowing you've got another angle without having to go find it and match frame it and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's really useful. Also, you can watch, you know, you can see them both at the same time so you can see what... It's just good to know you have them and uh, and that you can get to it quickly. Like, and I think the group clips in the... You know, I'm just thinking about one scene now. The group clips were handheld cameras in a bar, so they weren't really... One was mm. on a band, then turning over here, and then one was on you know people picking up birthday cake, stuff like that. So they weren't really organized, but I just remember you can just keep in the back of your head, oh, the shot with the, when the band's playing, they have a lot of people drinking beer and eating cake, you know, so you can you just kind of can find it quickly if you're already in your cut, you know. So um, I find them very helpful. So. Another thing that I would think that an inexperienced editor of any kind or of any age or whatever would be that they're not maybe archiving sequences or versions of scenes properly. Or was that some of it that you felt like you wanted to say, here's all my versions or here's reels that we've delivered or. Yeah. Do you mean, did we have, did we do that in Premiere? Yeah. When you finally organized. <clears throat> we did do that. And we do save cuts, and um, I do that in Avid too. I, I save versions of stuff all the time, and then you know, I'll even I save the version from the night before, so in case I want to go back and steal something again, I can go find it or look at it, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and I think we we did do that with with Premiere too. We were constantly archiving cuts and stuff like that. And again, that could help remember how we did all that, but. It's been a while for you to be on this film, so I understand. Yeah. Uh, was there anything, because uh, I know you want you don't want to speak uh, badly <laughs> of it. Was there anything in Premiere that you liked? I do like a lot of it. I like a lot. I like that you can move, the, you know, you can do it on Avid too, but you can move tracks around, you can move images around. Um, and I think that they're, the graphics that they use for the waveforms are, I, I, I actually mentioned this to Abbott that they should up their game on that because they're, they're very useful to see, you know, especially with music. If you're cutting music, you have really good waveforms. And we did a lot of music cutting too. So, you know, that was really handy. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I liked a lot of it. It's um, like I said, I think if I had had, if I had time and I had done it all over again, I would have taken a class to learn how to use it, how it's intended to be. And I'll bet I would be, you know, I bet it would be it and it had been a different experience. Yeah, that's always a hard thing. You know, I, I anytime what somebody complains you? about Avid, for example, you know, I'm like, well, do you really know how to use it? <laughs> right. And if you don't, and I understand sometimes like I've edited in Premiere, I've cut two movies in Premiere. I cut one okay, in Final Cut. Yeah, right. I've cut one movie in Final Cut Pro and then everything else I've cut in Avid. So, um, right. but especially like Final Cut Pro. I know my Final Cut Pro experience was bad because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Right. You know, so there's right. really nobody to blame but myself. But Me too. Me too. Me too. That's I feel that way too. But it was just so fast and I just had to just sit down. But then I also think, oh, you know what? That's also a good way to learn just to like sit down and start doing it. Oh, yeah. Start blasting through. Would you, what do you prefer if you're given the choice? Uh, for me, I prefer Avid. I've, I've, we've probably been on Avid about the same amount of time. I've been on Avid since 92. So um, I, when you've been working on something that long, I you... Yeah, you really... You, you I know, know it. it inside and out. I can do whatever I want to do. I don't have to think about what I'm doing. I just do it. And I right. can also troubleshoot fairly well. And when I get on 
um, premiere, there's, like you said, there's so much stuff to like, yeah. but then I also get lost and I'm like, all I want to do is this thing, you know, <laughs> and yes. there's the frustration. And, yeah. And there are workarounds, but you just don't know. Like there are shortcuts and stuff. And, you know, again, if I had, if I knew it, if I had taken time to learn it all, I probably would have used the shortcuts and then, you know, been flying much quicker. But anyways, it was still good. It was a great experience. I'm glad I had a chance to use it. So what have you been working on since? Um, I also have a movie coming out very soon that I worked on um, as an additional editor. And that is a movie called The Brian Banks Story, which is also really good. And then a really sweet um, comedy, also really good, called Otherhood, which is coming out also like in the next week or so. And that's a Netflix film, really cute and charming and funny. And, uh, let's see what else I've been doing. Um, oh, I worked on a friend. Uh, so I did a f film a few years ago called disconnect with a director named Henry Alex Rubin. Great film that nobody ever saw. And his movie Semper Fi is coming out. I'm not sure when soon. That was the other one I did last year. I had a busy year last year. I was doing lots of smaller films that were done quicker. And so I had quite a few. So but the last thing I finished was Otherhood, which is coming out soon. Um, and that I finished about uh, two months ago, I guess, about two months ago. So, Got it. so and now I'm waiting for Alexander's going to start his next film in um, hopefully October. Mm -hmm. So that will be good. So that could, that's a big issue with a lot of editors that work with favorite directors or the other way around. Yeah. Right. If you're the favorite editor of a director is. How do you schedule? How do you schedule? And you're like, oh, his is coming up in June, but then I finish this movie in March or something. And what do I do for April? And, you know, all it's that totally time. Is. Or a worse, a worse hole than that, right? Right. Yeah, no, I know. It's tricky. It's really tricky. I've always, knock on wood, been lucky that it's kind of worked out. I jumped on a small project or worked on this or, you know, I've done a few things or... And it's been a couple of times where it's overlapped and that's always been nerve wracking. I don't like doing that. I don't like having overlaps. Um, I get too stressed out. Have I can't you, think of two, two things at once. Yeah. I have, have you a done it? Times. Tell me about trying yeah, to negotiate that. It's hard. It's really hard to do. Um, downsizing was a good example because I was finishing my movie and he was okay with it. He was like, that's all right. That's okay. We had a, a Joe Beanie came in and helped. And so he and I were both doing it well. I was trying to finish my movie, but I found it very stressful. I felt really bad, like I wasn't giving downsizing enough attention, and then I also felt I was not giving my own. You know, it's just even though I was, I was giving devoting eight hours to this and you know six hours to this and make trying to make it equal, but my brain itself was always between the two of them. So I'm not good at that. I think I'm really, I think I'm better when I, it's one movie at a time, and I can really focus on just that. So. Um, I try not to do that, but it's happened a couple of times where I've overlapped. So, yeah, that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm working on a couple where the, we're in the middle of like reshoots, which isn't yo. quite the same situation. So at least, you know, you're, you don't have to be working on that movie, but right. you're, you're like, Oh, I got to get back to that one. And this one started and yeah, yeah I tricky. know that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. Mm -hmm. I know. Uh, let me see what else I've got for you before I let you go. Approach. Have we talked about your approach? How do you, when you get dailies, when you're looking at a blank timeline, what do you do? How do you, do you select reels or? I, do, I select things I like. So I start watching dailies and even if it's a reaction shot, I'll throw it in the timeline and save it. And I'll just keep saving, collecting stuff, even sound effects sometimes or a door close. I'm like, oh, that's a really good door close. I'll, <laughs> I'll save that. And then I just kind of keep these things in the timeline and collect my favorite moments and then kind of start putting it together. Mm. So I used to watch dailies all the way through and not collect at the same time. But then I started realizing that I think it was more efficient to watch. If I see anything I like, collect it and then keep on watching. You know, like a lot of in the old days, you would sit there and watch and make a note and then go back and, you know, go to dailies and go find it or whatever. But now I just keep this 
And I keep building and I save all the junk. So sometimes my first cuts of scenes will then have behind them tons of junk, you know, leftover clips of stuff I pulled out of or, you know, sound effects of doors closing or whatever, you know. So I just keep collecting. And how are you using that collection? So now you've got a big selects reel of stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Are you cutting from that? Do you pop that in the source monitor and edit from it? Or do you put it in the timeline and start cutting out? That's a good question. I do both, but sometimes I want to save the, like even if it's a camera move. Yeah. And I don't want to like, and I'm not sure, I have two of them, let's say. So I'll match clip and then cut it in twice into the into the cut and save it so I can go look at it again in case I think it's better than the one I used or something like that, you know? So that's what I usually do. And then I've also gotten into, and maybe you are too, of stacking takes on stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, oh, well, both, both these takes are really good. And Alexander and I do this a lot too. We like, we'll like, both these takes are good. Even if we are cutting back and forth, we'll keep both just to look at them again if we want to. And then sometimes we'll replace some performances, you know, talking earlier about how we're regulating performances. So we do that a lot. So we'll have, well, this one's a little hotter. He's a little angrier here. Let's keep it. But I think this one's, we should go with this one right now and then keep on cutting. And then we keep going back and looking. And sometimes they stay in a cut for a really long time. And then other times we'll, you know, once we get it put together, we're like, okay, it's pretty sure this is the one we should keep. Mm. So, Got it. And it's on two different tracks. You know, and, and, you know, you can mute it now. And that's yep. the other cool thing that Premiere does. You can mute those tracks and they just don't even show up. You can do that on Avid now, too. But that was a cool thing. I don't know if you could do that. I don't know how long ago that they did that with Avid. I started using it a few years ago. But... Muting, muting tracks. And not yeah. just meaning audio, but muting the entire track visually. Yeah, so it just doesn't even show up. But if you want it, boom, bring it back. There. You know? yeah. yeah, Resolve does something similar that I actually kind of like better, which is you can have alternate takes in the same take and switch between them. Oh. And, it, and actually, and even if, for example, let's say one take, uh, a delivery of a line in a segment takes two and a half seconds, but you've got another take where there's a little pause in it, maybe it's three seconds, you can, it's still in the timeline as one thing. And if you watch one, it pushes everything down a half a second or pulls it back a half a second. It's really cool. Really? Well, what about like if you had sound effects or backgrounds or music or something? Like, Everything slides. Alternate takes. Really? Yep. It's just like, oh, do we like this take or this take? And you can play it back. Let's play it back with the one thing. And you don't have to re-edit it or reveal another track. You just say, play it back with take one or play it back with take two. And everything just flows. It's I don't know how they do it. It's pretty That's amazing. cool. Yeah, That's great. Cool. Yeah. Oh, very little cool little thing in resolve so yeah that's good to know that's yeah. good to know i'll have to show it to you sometime yeah 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 that'd be good that'd be yeah. good uh anything else that we can talk about like uh subtext like i think about with a lot of your films that they're you know well most films right they're about one thing the plot is mm. about one thing but then the subtext is something different right. how yeah. how do you deal with that or what does that mean to you when you're trying to cut a film and you know this film is really about, I don't know, loss, even though right. it's about um, wrestling, you know? Right. How, what yeah. does that mean to you when you're cutting the film? I think what's interesting is that kind of is something that evolves. For instance, Peanut Butter Falcon is a good example of that. It's really a movie about um, family. And you don't realize it at first, but and all the editing we did made that stronger in the end. But it's not something consciously we were trying to do but i think as, as the film just evolved and got tighter and more focused that came out more and that's what's kind of sweet about the movie you you have these three main characters who are all kind of orphans and alone and then they sort of through this sort of crazy story all hook up and become a family which is really sweet so um yeah, subtext is something that I think you can't really force. Maybe you can. It kind of just evolves, I think, you know, with the, yeah. the editing. I, I'm, so. I didn't know that there was a specific correct answer. I just wanted to discuss yeah. it. Yeah, no, it's a good one. It's a big question. It's a big question. Um, I think those things just kind of come out naturally. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I, can't, I can't think yeah. if there's anything else, unless we had other things to talk about Premiere. 
Uh, you directed things. We talked about that approach. Yeah. We talked about that assembling scenes, collaborating with the director. Let's sit on that for a minute. Um, sure. That that idea of how you deal with a director, whether it's and, and and it would be interesting for you to talk about how it's different with someone that you direct work with so often, like Alexander. Right. Your collaboration yeah. with him would be very different than with these these other guys that that you yeah, just with, worked with, Tyler and Tyler. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, my approach is. Um, I am just pretty honest uh, uh, of what I think is better for the movie, you know, and I'll say, well, and, 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 you know, like, let's say Michael and Tyler, they were great fun to work with. And, you know, we had our differences and ultimately it's their choice what, what they decide, but I'll give my pitch of why I would do it this way or why I did do it that way, as opposed to how they had done it before, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then it's kind of up to them to either go for it or not. And uh, so I'm not super pushy. But one time I said that to Alexander and he went, yeah, right. That's <laughs> <laughs> super pushy. <laughs> um, I think I try to be just clear on why I make, why some of the decisions I made, I made or I make suggestions and think, you know, this is why I think it's better for the movie. Or this character, this is why I would do this for this character, this, you know, subtlety in this look. And, you know, and a lot of it's personal preference. So it's like, you know, I might like it more, but they might like this better. Or, you know, and that happens with Alexander, too. So ultimately, they're the director of the movie and, you know, they have the final say. So, sure. you know, and, you, you know, I try to if I really believe in something, I'll go back to it again and a couple times. But I usually have my my number three my three rule which is i only hit things three times if it's and i can wait i have my three rule and it might be the very last day of the mix where i'll bring it up a third time but <laughs> if i really believe it but um after three i'm like then you just you know it's creating other things you don't want to create yeah and i think with um uh, somebody like alexander the other advantage you've got is you've said stuff to them and they didn't believe it at first, but by the end of the movie, they're like, oh, he was right, right? And when yeah, that happens like, enough times, you're like, well, that gets me some kind of cachet there, right? Right, <laughs> right. I know. I know. It's true. I know. He's pretty funny, though. He doesn't like to admit it. So he he would he probably wouldn't say anything like that, but I don't know. He, no, he's 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 awesome. He he will say, oh yeah, you were right. Or, but we don't get we actually he and I we don't get into anything like that. Like we're. We don't say, we don't take ownership of things in the movies. You know, like I figure what happens in that room happens and, you know, it's just whatever comes out, comes out. And it's not, it's not like, oh, that was my idea or he doesn't say that because it, it's not really, it's like this, you know, combination of people working on one thing and whatever comes out is what comes out. Right. And I don't even, that means. But. Well, no, no, it does, because when you think about like even like that was my idea, like even if that's true, that you could track down, this was my idea. It was still triggered by, yes, a, you know, yeah. him saying something that didn't work or you saying something that didn't work. And right. eventually you might have right. had the, the final idea, but it doesn't mean you came up with right. it by yourself. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So that's why I kind of think when you go inside the editing room is kind of like this sanctuary where stuff happens and uh you know when it comes out of the room hopefully it's good and you know who knows why things came out the way they did it was a combination of everything that happens in there so yeah yeah did you have because the producers hired you or, or maybe didn't hire you but brought you onto this film um did you were they asking questions? Was there any tension between the directors and the producers in your relationship with them? Or were you, were they, I don't know what the relationship there was. In this circumstance, no, the, the, everyone I think felt, uh, and you can ask the, the guys, but uh, I think Albert and Ron felt there needed to be some help or they needed some fresh eyes to help out. And certainly Tyler and Michael, I had breakfast with them right before and they were like, I think they were excited about handing, you know, having someone else just help them because I think they had been working really hard, but they were just kind of, you know, stuck a little bit. Sure. So 
they were just, I think, happy. So, you know, so then um, I got to know the footage for like, I think it was about six weeks and they, they would come over, I would show them what I was doing and we, you know, and then we started working together when we had a rough end and it was quite enjoyable. And there's two, two directors? Two directors, Tyler and Michael, yeah. And how did that They're really great? How did they interact with each other that, you know, do they, you know? Oh, it's interesting. They're really great guys. They're, they're super talented. Tyler's like a hippie. Michael's more straightforward. Um, but they've known each other for years. They're really good buddies. They made a short film together. And they know Zach. And there's a great story behind the making of this movie. Zach, they met at a camp, a filmmaking camp in Florida, I believe, where Zach's from for like Down syndrome um, children and adults. And they really love Zach and Zach's so lovely. You'll see in the movie, he's just, a, he's just so great. And um, they decided to work on a script with him. So, so many of the ideas in the script are things that Zach came up with with them. And they were, they were so open. They were like, well, Zach loves wrestling. So we're going to work this wrestling thing into the movie, you know, and Zach loves to swim. So we're going to work this swimming thing into the movie. And, um, that's how they wrote it. That's how they directed it. And that's how they were in the editing route too. too. They were really, uh, they were really great, really great young and, um, you know, fresh and, uh, not jaded. They're really great. They're really great. Thank you so much for uh, chatting with me. I really oh. enjoyed talking about this movie with you. I can't wait for you to see it. So please let me know when you see it. So Because I'd love to hear what you think. I think it's a great family movie. Thanks for listening to the Art of the Cut podcast. Also, check out ProVideoCoalition.com for more than 200 interviews with the world's top editors. Or my book, Art of the Cut, Conversations with Film and TV Editors, available on Amazon. Thanks again to my guest, Kevin Tent, ACE. I'm Steve Holfish. If this is a podcast that you got something out of, make sure to tell a filmmaking friend.